Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. I'm Jeff. This is episode 160. And it's good that you're hanging out with us tonight here on the show this week. With me, as always, my trusty co-host, DW. How you doing? Haven't seen you in a week. How's your week been? Bueno. Bueno. I want to make sure that all all those who speak another language know that I am multicultural. And and I know a little (laughs) bit about Spanish. I took five years of Spanish. So you took five years. Can you say that word again? Bueno. I say it with a Swedish accent. Okay, then. Yeah, because I'm Swedish. <laughs> so right now, think of think of all of the people I'm relating to, the Swedes, those who speak Spanish. I mean, I'm I'm just right in there. You're cultured, Dave. I, I am. I'm an old cultured guy. That other voice yeah. you heard with us, Jason, is back on. Jason's a program director at Silver Birch Ranch. And as always, Jason, great to see you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's always great to be back with you guys. It's fun. You guys make me laugh. Make me feel uncomfortable at times, but it's all good. That's that's the joy of being on the radio with you guys. Yeah, I mean, what would this show be if we weren't able to make somebody feel a little bit uncomfortable? This is right. A little. It's bit. usually me who it, you're making it, yeah. feel uncomfortable. Well, it's because you're Swedish. Well, that could be. Yeah, you're not be. used to having. Well, I, you're I not would, used to having emotions. I would have a question for you guys, though. I mean, when you think about this political correct stuff that we all live in, <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. It's sometimes it's really hard to say anything because you've said something, but you said nothing, but you're trying to say something by saying nothing. How do you do that? That was profound. Yeah, but how do you even do that? I, I mean, you couldn't say that again. I if you can't say to. that again. You're, <laughs> you're going to have to play that back. But you think that as a culture, everybody's just too sensitive and you can't even talk anymore? Like, let's say, what nationality are you, Jason? I'm American. Thank you very much. And what are your ancestors? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's like me. I said I'm Native American because I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> what? I am. That's all right. See, there you go. People are thinking, well, you're insensitive. No, I, you know, we're just having a discussion about something. Right. Case in point. And, and what's interesting to me is that it's not like you're trying to offend somebody. If I go, I grew up in uh, the Chicago area. My dad was a pastor and we went to a lot of Polish people's houses or what was everyone there, Jason? You grew up there, too, with the Kolaski stuff and the Bohemians. bohemians yeah, a yes, lot of Bohemians. bohemians. Now, I, I'm not saying anything bad about Bohemians, but you don't know about their food and all that kind of stuff. So you go to their house, and they, they serve you these Kolaskis. You know, I mean, they're delicious. What in the world? I can't even pronounce or spell Kolaski. <laughs> and if you say something, you're not, you're not really offending them. You're trying to figure out. How do you live and why do you eat this? And, you know, how do you make it kind of thing? Yeah. And sometimes you're wondering if you can ask people cultural questions. Because I, I don't understand everything about another culture. You know, I don't. And, and you want to talk to them. Inner city folks right. that come up. I mean, they've got, sometimes they've got a dialogue that's like, what would you say? Yeah. And I know it's English. <laughs> but you're not making fun of it at all. You're just saying, boy, I didn't grab that. Can you either slow it down or say it different? Or you're not really trying to offend anybody. You're just trying to have a communication. And sometimes 
in our culture right now, it's hard to communicate. Well, and I think that's very true because I think that that whole mentality is what keeps us from having conversations sometimes because there's certain things like sometimes I don't even want to talk about just because I know that there's going to be backlash. Right. I mean, if if you're going to take it personally and get hurt, like if you came in and you had a really funky new hairstyle. Like today. No, I don't know. But can I, can I ask you like, no kidding. What made you want to get that hairstyle? Now, immediately, you know, you could be offended. You know, my wife might be looking at me like, be quiet. I know that it's a relational thing there. If you have a good enough relationship, you can ask those things. But I just wonder sometimes if we've lost some of the skill of communicating because we're so busy trying not to offend somebody rather than communicate with somebody. And, and we don't all know how to do it right. Um, I, I would suggest that everybody just kind of take a deep breath when somebody talks and not get offended so easily and try and understand what they actually said. Yeah, I think the big thing is there's a lot of, you know, maybe tendency to, to not want to make people feel insecure around other people. Um, so talking about hairstyles or whatever, there's just a sense that, you know, you bring it up and all of a sudden they're a little bit insecure about that, a little sensitive to it. And it might come off as being offended, but I think sometimes that's just a, a cover for, you know, I'm not even sure how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about this. And one thing we talked about last week, Dave, on the show, we touched on this briefly, but there's a passage in the Bible about Levi's sons, and it, it calls these guys a bunch of worthless men. And so there's there are things that we need to look at in our life, and you and, and I and Jason, I think we would agree that we don't want to be labeled as worthless men. How do we do this? And what is, you know, one of the ways that we can do this is by understanding Maybe this word is new to people, but what the refuge really is. And so there's a lot to unpack on the show with us tonight. So if you want to join in on the conversation, be a part of it with us. You can email into the show anytime at hope at hopenet360.com or jump on our tweet back and hang out on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. We're going to kick off this conversation right now here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. You can chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com, especially this week if you're going through something difficult in life. Maybe you've had a stressful week, maybe things are stressful at home, maybe at work, and you just need to talk to somebody. Let it off your chest. Life coaches are available anytime during the week at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW, Jason with you this week on the show talking about life from the refuge. Many times, you know, we'll talk about things with people, but we tend to maybe choose our words carefully because for some reason we get to think that by being less direct will at least save people from you know, becoming insecure or scaring them. (laughs) I think I want to ask you guys a question. When you talk to somebody and it's a difficult conversation, what makes it difficult? I think most of the time it might be the subject matter. Okay, but why would it be difficult? Well, because you feel like it it would raise anxiety within that person. You feel like it might, we use words like trigger, it might trigger them. Just stuff like that where it's like, it's difficult to talk about how do I do it appropriately I don't want to be, you know, vulgar or crass about it. I, I want to be sincere. Okay, so you, you let's take a simple example. I, I have terrible breath, bad breath. Nobody's telling me. I would tell you. Yeah, but you see, why wouldn't people tell me? Because they're afraid they're going to hurt you. Yeah. But they will talk about me behind my back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got terrible breath. Hmm. No, you know what? 
why don't you tell me? Mm. So that I can, now, yes, here, here's the risk. I might be offended. Really? Yeah, I might be, but in the long run, you've helped me by talking mm. to me. So it's uncomfortable that you say something that would make me feel uncomfortable for a moment. But still, it's a necessary conversation if you care for me. Mm. I think people don't care for each other. That's why they're not direct. You think so? I do. I, I do. Because in order to really, if you really care about somebody, you got to talk to them. Mm. And you got to be direct to them. You can't beat around the bush. You know, I mean, through the years, anytime there's been somebody I've cared about, something's not going on well in their life, I have to go talk to them. I have to. And I got to talk to them about what, what I'm seeing as someone who cares for them. And I may not be seeing it right, but I got to talk to them anyway. Mm. You know, and, and that's what we need to give people permission to do. If tonight you're feeling alone, you got nobody to talk to, you're afraid to bring up a conversation, I would encourage you to ask why you're afraid. And really, you can, you can go to the uh, Hope Line. You can go to hopenet360.com, talk to you know, some coaches right now that'll, that'll talk you through things. And it's really important that you have conversations. But, but the thing goes both ways. There's another issue here, though, that I know I bring up issues that were you know, not really the issues we think we're talking about, but you always do adjust your conversation so that the person listening will understand what you just said. True. That's not unusual. True. So it's not, it's not like you're couching. Like Jesus did that. I mean, Jesus would, would talk to people, and in some he would tell a story, some he'd be very direct. But he, he was reading the crowd. The, the, lady, the woman that got caught in adultery, Jesus just bent over, wrote something in the ground, basically said to the people, you know, let the, first, the person without sin cast first stone, told the lady to go home. You know, I mean, it's like, wow, that, that was brilliant. Yeah, that was different than throwing people out of the temple, by the way. I mean, in other words, different crowds and different people, if you're sensitive, would you communicate different ways with them? A child, an eight-year-old child, I would communicate differently. Your son, Jason, if I see him doing something he shouldn't be doing, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to lecture him with big words. Right. But I am going to communicate with him. Yeah. And then I will communicate with you. Now, I would communicate with you even if you, if, even if I felt, well, boy, you, you're going to think I think that you're a bad parent or something. No, I don't think that. I think that your son's a normal son. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just wanted to let you know I did this and let you take it from there. And what's interesting is I've adjusted. I would talk to you at one level. I would talk to him at another level. But I'm not lying to either one of you. I'm changing how I do it yeah. according to the audience. And, and we have to give people permission to do that. But, you know, there's only so many people that I'd be willing to allow myself to open up about my first breakup. You know, everybody's had a first breakup. I think everyone's had a first breakup. But if some stranger walks up to me and says, hey, tell me about your first breakup, I'm probably not going to talk to you about my first breakup. That's just me being honest. So there are things like that where I don't know how to, how to always do that, even though I'm somebody myself, I would, I would like to talk with somebody who might be struggling with a breakup. And, and yet, at the same time, like I don't know if I have the authority to speak into their life. I don't know if I want to assume that because some people won't let you assume that role. I mean, that's just that's, that's who we are as, as humans. We're defensive a little bit about some of those sensitive things. We are, and that's how, how people are different, though. If, if, I, if a stranger came to me and said, you know, tell me about your first breakup, I'd say, my first, I got 10 of them. Which one do you want to hear about? <laughs> you know, uh, my wife, my current wife dumped me five times. I, I'm guessing, but it was a lot, you know. <laughs> so now I just told the whole radio world that, you know. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is, is we go back to, 
are you actually secure in who you are? Mm. Because that matters. Yeah. It matters that you understand who you are. I don't mind. You know, whenever I do that, I know there's these laws about privacy when you go to medical things and that kind of thing. And, 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 I, and I understand why, because some people discriminate maybe against, you know, I don't know. But whenever I do it, I, I, I put down at the bottom, you know, who can we tell your condition? I say anyone who asks and I sign it. I mean, what do I care? Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel personally. I know not everybody feels that way, but it's like, you want to know I have narcolepsy? Go ahead and ask. I mean, you, you want to know what medicines I'm on? I don't care. Why? I, there's something about being an open book that is secure to me. And, and, and I, you know how, how, for me personally, how fun it is that I don't have to hide anything? Hmm. Someone asked me, you know, how do you feel today? My wife was saying, Dave, you didn't answer well. You said, I'm feeling old. And people are getting tired of hearing that. I said, but you know what? I didn't want to go into great detail with the person because it'd be here forever, but I don't feel that well today. I'm limping. I'm doing, and, you know, I mean, it's like, I just didn't want to say fine. So I came up with a different answer, but I didn't want to stay there forever, you mm -hmm. know, and talk about all my ills because that's not the point. Yep. Yeah. But it's interesting to me how that, how that works. All right. Join the conversation with us tonight on the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Also, every episode comes with show notes. You can view those at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Man, we have so much fun during these breaks on the show, don't we, guys? Oh, I'm Jeff, DW, hanging out with you tonight. And, uh, you know, our conversation... Uh, a little lighthearted, but also a little serious because at the end of the day, there are things in life that are overwhelming sometimes. And we talk a lot about some of those things on the show, but we were, we were just kind of chatting about breakups and, and relationship issues that tend to sometimes steal our joy. Tonight, our conversation is about life from the refuge. Like it or not, I mean, sometimes humor can be a refuge, a, a safe place or a hiding place for us. We can hide in humor or funny discussions. Uh, Dave just made a quip that funerals are funny times, which sometimes they're funny times, uh, sometimes not. You know, there are times in life where there, there are things that are uncomfortable to talk about, and yet maybe losing somebody in in your life is something that still you need to, to unpack that with somebody. And oftentimes what I found in life, Dave, is that those kinds of people, to have those kinds of direct conversations with, it's hard to find the right people to talk about, you know, things like death, things that are uncomfortable that we do like to make, you know, some jokes about and, and laugh about, and yet they're serious. There are things that, you know, we, we hold dear to our heart, like people that we love and we care about. And then they're no longer here with us. That's that's a hard topic to talk about sometimes, Dave. It is. And and what's interesting is that it's so common that we should talk about it. And and a lot of it's cultural. I mean, in other cultures that I've gone to, people are dying you know, every day. They're out in the they're out in the public. They're it's very visible. It's very part of their everyday life, actually, is death. And and death is a part of everyday life. We like to pretend it's not gonna happen, but honestly, we you know, people should talk about it. I mean, it, that's part of it. Here, here's what I think some of the problem is in some discussions is we don't have our anchor in the right place. True. And I mean, where is it that you get your hope from? Mm -hmm. Is it from being alive? Is it from medicine? Is it from money? Is it from your family? Because really, let's just look at that. You're not going to be alive, you know, sometime you're going to die. Your money isn't going to save you someday because it will be worthless if you have the right disease or whatever. 
your, your family, you know, you will watch the older ones die probably and, and part from you. And where is your life anchored? That's the simple thing that I found throughout the years is that, honestly, I need to look at this life in context of all of life and adjust according to what's real. It starts with God in the very beginning of Genesis, in the beginning God. So, you know, what I want to do and what I've done is I want to know God. I want to know how he made things and why he made things. And, and then I want to do more than know that. I want to live in the context of that. And, and all of a sudden, I can, I can, as Psalm 91 would say, I can be in the shadow of God. I can be around him. I, I can be protected by him. I, no matter what happens in life, I know he will work on it and make it work right. And, and my life all of a sudden has this tremendous stability to it. Not because I change the ability to be healthy or sick or, or anything else, just but, but because of the fact that I know somebody, God, who will transcend all the hard times and will, in the end, make things work out right. So my goal is to just stay by him and enjoy him. I think everybody can do that. Is that sound like a difficult goal, Jason, when I say that? At the surface level, no, but that's obviously what we all struggle with. Okay, so in a, in a human relationship, yeah, you need to enjoy your children, right? Yeah, you need to enjoy your wife, right? Yeah. All right. So how do you do that? It's, uh, for me, you spend time with them, exactly. invest into them, exactly, you know, that sort of thing, right? exactly. You know, you know what to do. Absolutely. So if you're ignoring what you know, whose problem is that? It's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the directness that we talk about. I mean, it's, it's not really. You know, sometimes, you know, um, Jeff, we talk about me being direct, but it's not. Mostly I'll ask questions like that, and then the conclusion comes from the person. Right. So it's like, okay, we know what we need to do to enjoy people, so does that translate to what we need to do to enjoy God? Of course it does. Mm. So whose fault is it if I'm not enjoying God? It's mine. I'm not making the time for it. Right, absolutely. So, and if you don't know what, how to do that, again, this is where mentors can come in and older people that love God and stuff. I mean, go ask them, how have you done this in life? And don't ever stop or hesitate talking to somebody who loves God because you feel like you might be shamed mm-hmm. or, or something. If they truly love God, you can ask them anything and they're not going to shame you. You know, and I think oftentimes when you do ask those questions, it almost break down, it breaks down walls. You know, and there are other times where they don't necessarily respond well, you know, but you need, if you're willing to take the step, if anything, it'll draw you closer to God. Right. Even if they're, even if they twist it in a way and they don't understand what you're trying to tell them, at least you took this step to tell them, you know? Right. Plus, you know what? You, you got to think too, if you want people to talk to you, you have to not minimize what they're going through and not act like the shell answer man where you can answer everything. Yeah. I mean, if you came to me, Jason, and said, friend, a mutual friend of ours did recently, my wife just came down with cancer and I don't have a good answer for you today. Yeah. I'm going to say that stinks. However, I'm going to say, here's what I know about God. The situation stinks. We're in this world. Tough things are going to happen. Let's talk about it. Yeah. But I, I didn't say, look, you know, you need to be jumping up and down for joy. I, I didn't say that. I said, my, that stinks. That's a hard situation. We're in a world that can be hard. Now, what we're doing, we're just turning this thing to honesty right. at this point. And I think sometimes those of us in my generation can be accused of trying to come up with a quick, pat answer to something, right. which allows young people to turn and walk away because they didn't want a pat answer. They wanted to talk about it. Right. And they didn't want someone to say, well, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay, thank you. You know what I mean? And they walk away. 
Now, yes, I know that I can get you there one at some point, but I also want to acknowledge the fact that this stinks. I learned something new this week. I read an article from Mike Calhoun, and he was talking about this concept in leadership called the tall poppy syndrome. I just want to touch on this before we hit another break here and bring it up, because I think it's, it's one of those things as a leader, it's hard sometimes to know the right thing to do at the right time. The tall poppy syndrome, let me explain this. Uh, it's something that's used more in the UK, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand, but it talks about this social phenomenon in which people who are of genuine merit are resented, attacked, they're cut down, or they're criticized because of their talents or their achievements, and they are elevated above them that distinguish them from their peers. So what ends up happening is just like most of us have been guilty of in our life, we've seen somebody who's successful and we try to pick out the one or two things that we don't like about them or that we don't like about how they do something. We make that a big deal. In life, what ends up happening, usually it's not so much that you know, whether it's our job or it's our, you know, our workplace or where we're going to school that really overwhelms us. Sometimes it's the workload, but other times it's the people that we're around that really do affect us and that, you know, make us insecure or they bring up things about us that we're insecure about. Some of the things we were talking about, Dave, um, you know, it can just be breakups. It's anytime you see in the news about politicians and especially in, and I don't want to go back to the political season, but what you always see in times of political campaigning is somebody's trying to pick out one or two really little minuscule things about somebody else, elevate those things to the top and say, look, this is who they are. And then what happens, the tall poppy syndrome is that it'll take that person who, you know, had this level of confidence about them and being in their element, and all of a sudden they're becoming insecure about something really petty or really little. And so when we come back on the show, guys, I want to talk about being in the refuge, life from the refuge, what this means. There's so many passages in the Bible that equate God as being our refuge in times of trouble and how common it is for all of us as people to look for a place of refuge, a place of safety, of security, a place where we can be refreshed and refueled, um, a place where we're not lacking or we're you know, overwhelmed about the insecurities of life. We could just lay everything bare. This is what we talk about as the refuge, how important it is as leaders and just about anybody else. You need this place of refuge. Let's talk about how to find that and what this really means. What the, what people who wrote things that we find in the Bible, what they were talking about when they mentioned that God is our refuge. What does this mean? Let's talk about that when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Join us. The second half of the show is coming up. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Hey, I'm Tiger McLuhan from Youth Leadership. Recharge is coming to Green Bay this February. We know a lot of adults, parents, a lot of youth ministries that are filled with caring people who love children and love kids, but haven't really had the opportunity to be equipped, given practical ideas on how to do that desire more effectively. Every children's ministry worker, every youth worker hopes that their ministry makes a difference in their small group works that confirmation impacts those kids, but hope is not a strategy. To learn more about Recharge, visit ministryrecharge.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. So glad you've joined us this week for this conversation. And if you miss any part of the conversation, do subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app. 
Check out hopenet360.com slash podcast. Every show, every episode is there. Show notes are all intact for you, and you can do this on any app that you would use for podcasting. And why we do this is because, number one, we believe every conversation on this show is one worth having in your real life, not just social media life or Instagram life or whatever, but real life. Have these conversations, something that we talk about on the show, take it with you during the week, have a conversation with someone because either you need to have that conversation or someone that you know needs to have that conversation in their life. So, Jeff, DW, Jason with you, host on the show this week. You can add your comments in on the tweet back tonight. Just jump on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. They, we were just talking about the tall poppy syndrome. You you were talking in the break that you actually came up with the tall poppy syndrome, as it were, but I think you phrased it a different way. I've been in um, leadership all of my life, and I grew up in a family where my dad was a leader, and I mean, a leader where you were at the top of something as a senior pastor of a church and, and, and started a camp and that kind of thing. And I've been in about 35 years in, in a position of authority here. And one of the things that I learned as a kid is that if you're in charge of something, everybody can do your job better. You need to expect that. Uh, you need to expect to make a decision and hear people say, I would have done it differently or not tell you that, but say it behind your back and have, I mean, coalitions built and you're not listening one of the common things that people would come to me, if they disagree with somebody, they'll say, well, I'm not the only one that thinks this way, oh. which basically is telling me, by the way, we've been gossiping about this behind your back. Here's my conclusion. The truth is everybody would do something different if they had the choice to make all the decisions. They would. But the person who is in charge, whether it be a pastor or something, they're going to stand before God for their leadership. And we need to understand that and respect that and do what we can to make the leader successful. You know, Jason, you're, you're a program director here. You have a lot of responsibility, a lot of decisions to make. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think people should respect the fact that you're the program director. You have a lot of decisions to make, you know, and, and that's the atmosphere yeah. so that you can actually get it done. Uh, we know that everybody could do your job better. They'll tell you that. Right. You won't hear that from me. In fact, you're going to hear the opposite. Make a decision. Do it. Let's get behind them and back them. Right. And that's how you help support somebody in leadership. Because most of the times, the decisions they make are not immoral decisions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like you're, you're if you were, that's different. It's decisions that you either agree with or don't agree with, but they're not, quote, right or wrong. Right. They're just different. And for some reason, you feel like you have to say, that's not what I would do. What does that do to us? Does that just make us like, like, look more important to somebody or what? That's what happens. And we don't need to do that. And you shouldn't be taking refuge in people anyway. I mean, you shouldn't be looking to somebody. Otherwise, they'll give you some Kool-Aid and you'll die. You know I mean? You, you <laughs> yeah. need to take refuge where it belongs. And right. that's God alone. Yeah. And you, Dave, even alluded that into our last segment, you know, because you talked about, you know, when something happens in somebody's life, you know, it's not like you're going to sh sugarcoat it. You'd be like, man, that stinks. Yeah. You know, and then you remind them of the fact that like, God is still here, yeah. you know? So it's not like you're saying, you know, be joyful in it. You're saying, you know what? You need to remind yourself that God is our refuge. And that means that in times of trouble, in times of danger, in time whatever, he's always the one that makes us feel safe in whatever situation, yeah. you know? And I think that's the key. But that's there are people listening that are saying, I don't, I don't feel that. Yeah. Right. Why, why would they say that? Because I would say that they're not really trusting in... God is their refuge. They're more trusting in either the situation, the circumstances, or the people as right. a refuge. Right. It's revealing something. And, and, and it would go yeah. back to what I always say. 
you don't know God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You can say you know him, but you realize that you know him or you don't know him in the rough spots of life. That's when you realize if you know him. And that's why you spend your life getting to know him. And that's what the sons of Levi were known as worthless men. And they were worthless because they did not know God. In 2 Samuel 22, starting at verse 31, in 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, it talks about God not knowing who God is. This is who God is. It says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. And it goes on to talk about the ways that God is our refuge. Like he made my feet like the feet of a deer. Swift, I'm sure. He set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So there are so many different ways that God is our refuge. But yes, we do try to take refuge in the things of this world, Dave, we do that all the time. And a couple of the things that I think of when I'm, I'm trying to understand or when I've spent time in God's refuge in taking time to be with him is I find things that are in this place of refuge. And that is number one, usually that place is of silence. There's silence, not, not being alone or that nothing is, nothing is coming to mind because a lot of things, when you're in that quiet place, in that place of stillness, a lot of things come to mind. But there's a place where you can process those things. Uh, Another thing that I found, Dave, being in the refuge, renewed perspective for life. And I'm sure, Dave, in your many years, you've had to spend time, even though like Silver Birch Ranch is like this place of refuge, like away from all the busyness and, and craziness of life. I'm sure you've had to take time even away from normal routine of life to spend time in the refuge, haven't you? You have to schedule that and you should do that regularly. I mean, no matter where you are, for me, this life is what is normal. Um, And so you need to schedule times where you can be out of your norm and you can can talk to God. You know, the, the real issue is that people don't know God. That's the real issue. Because if you know God, you will be able to take refuge in him. And if you don't know him, you will not be able to take refuge in him. And everything that I would say about taking refuge in God would be a waste of time because you don't understand who he is. And and therefore, I can only encourage those, if life's going pretty well right now for you, spend time getting to know God because there's going to come a time where everything seems to fall apart. And that's when you better know God. And if you don't take the time during the good times to do that, the bad times are going to destroy you. One of my favorite Psalms is really Psalm 91. And, and we have a whole ministry named after that called the Wolf River Refuge. And it says this, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What's interesting there is the psalmist is saying, it's the shadow of the Almighty that I dwell in. In other words, I'm close to God, close enough where he casts a shadow. In that shadow, I promise you, nobody can harm you that God doesn't let near that. Nobody. And he will have a plan and he will win. But you have to know that. And, and if you don't know that, you need to get to know God so that you can know that. Chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, Hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. 
Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff DW with you this week, and tonight we're sitting down with some of our Winter Jam guests. So on the show tonight, we have Bella, and we have Cora. Hello. Welcome to the show. Each of us has our own story, and the fun thing about coming to Winter Jam up at Silver Birch Ranch is you have an opportunity to share that story with a lot of different people and hopefully encourage them. And so, Bella, you kind of came in and, and just said, hey, I've got a journal and I'm interested in just sharing some of that and maybe just share a little bit about your life story and your faith journey. Things haven't always been easy for you. Yeah. And in fact, you're in eighth grade currently. Yep. And so this faith journey thing, you haven't really been a, a Christian per se. Would you say you've been a, a Christian your whole life or is that something that's recently well, been changing? Um. I've been born and raised Christian family, church, you know. You can't really have a faith based on your family, you know. You have to come to know to the Lord like yourself. So my journey, I would say, started when my parents got divorced in fifth grade. I was having a rough time, and my mom was a great role model. She, she would pray. She'd be like, always have faith, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I see how it's supposed to be. She has this great faith, and I looked up to her for it. But I just wasn't getting the connection that, like, she would have. Mm. So I kind of went through, like, a really rough spot where I'm like, God, why are you doing this? Like, Satan hides behind the most beautiful things, and these people just can't see it. That's how I felt, because personally, I wanted to live with my mom. Um, That is not the situation. I see her every other weekend now. It was very tough because, specifically my dad, he'll go, oh, your mom's just alienating you. (laughs) To be honest, that was really tough. And... Hearing my dad tell me that I was too young or immature and too young to like know my own future and to know what's good for me and Mm -hmm. to know the truth that my mom's not who she is. But really, I know my mom. I've lived with both of them. I see the truth, but no one believes me. So I kind of went through a rough spot, like, whatever, God, I'm giving up on you, you know? Mm -hmm. People have those. I had mine. (laughs) And then I went to this one camp called Camp Zion, and I came to know the Lord. The one year I went, it just opened my eyes. And then the next year I went and I'm just like, okay, Jesus, you know, take me. I finally like saw the connection that um, real Christians had and it was just amazing. So what was that point like for you of decision? Because in some way you had this falling out with God where it was like, you know, God, you're you're bringing all this havoc in my family. Like, why would you allow this stuff to happen? And that's kind of hard to explain. Like I knew God had good plans for me. Well, one, my mom would always tell me, be like, God always has a future for those who love him and follow him. I'm like, all right, yeah, I know that. I came to the realization it's going to be tough, but I'm going to have a great reward from God in the future, and it's going to be worth it. So I realized at that point that I'm going to trust him and follow him. That's where my journey went. I still have some low spots, you know, sin and stuff, but I always come back to God and I, I see him more in my life and how he works. Cora, what would you say is, what have you seen in Bella in the, in the years that you've known her? I mean, you've known her for a few years. I've just seen the way it's changed her, and she's so much happier. She gives me so much better advice on things when I mess <laughs> up. I know she can do great things with her story. It's really been cool to watch her. And when she first told me that she accepted Jesus into her life, she was so happy, and it made me really happy to see, and she's helped me be a stronger Christian and person. This was pretty recent. It was summer of 2016, so not that long ago, and so 
I'd imagine she could see a huge change in me. Well, I hope she it could. It was a huge, <laughs> huge change. Like, mm. yeah. she was just a totally different person. It's really fun to watch and fun to grow with mm. her. Bella, what's been the biggest thing that's changed in you since accepting Christ and, and letting that argument that you had against God go? What's What do you think has changed the most in your life? I think it's the way I act. Yeah. Yep. Laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> it is. Like, I see how my actions affect people. And how sharing God's word is not just about, like, talking about it. It also goes along with deeds. I felt, like, really led to be like, okay, I need to fix myself up a little here, have a better walk with him, and not be afraid to share my faith with others. Would you say there's been some role of forgiveness that has taken place in your life through when your parents went through the divorce? Did you find any any bitterness or resentment towards either one of them that you had to work through as well, or was that not really the case? I mean, to be honest... Cora knows that oh <laughs> I I want to live with my mom. I do. I don't see why people are so hard on that because she's not alienating me. It's really tough to live with my dad just the way he is. It's a very long story, but I do say I'm working on figuring out how to forgive my dad and in the future how I'll act towards him or if I'll keep in contact with him. I doubt I will. But it's just tough not, like, resenting him <laughs> in mm. a way, you know? I've been working through that. So, yeah, I asked for God's hand for over me for forgiveness. And since she's uh, become a Christian, I've noticed the way she talks about her dad is less hateful. She <laughs> still wishes to live with her mom, but she doesn't talk about him in the way that she used to. She understands that he's not the best person, but she still doesn't, she doesn't hate him anymore the way she used to, it seems. Yeah. What would you say to young girls who are kind of in the same boat as you are? Because I'm sure you're not the only girl that's dealing with this. I mean, there's young men, young women uh, whose parents have not stayed together for various reasons. What I would say is don't hate God for it. He has good plans for you. Maybe he's letting this happen for a good reason. I wouldn't have met Cora if this didn't happen. I wouldn't have gone to my church camp where I accepted Jesus if this didn't happen. You really need to look, take a step back from this situation and look at how God works through it and the blessings he's given you. Just thank him for it and continue trusting him, even though it's very, very hard sometimes. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. If you'd like to download these and past episodes, do check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW, Jason. Guys, what a great conversation this week. Where is your place of refuge? The main thought this week on the show is when your life is out of control, when it's chaotic, when it's crazy, when you're feeling those feelings of insecurity, maybe somebody's brought up something in your life that maybe in your past that you're not real not real confident about. You're not really sure you want to discuss that and now they know about it. And now you're like, oh, I'm just... I'm feeling insecure about something. Uh, not only is it a good idea to chat with a life coach, you could do that anytime on our website, but it's really important to know where to find the refuge and that we actually seek out the refuge. Dave, you brought up Psalm 91. I'd love for you just to, to, to unpack more of this chapter. And if we don't get through all of it in the last few minutes here, we'll include them all in our show notes tonight. But just talk a little bit about Psalm 91. I would still encourage people 
in order for you to have what's in Psalm 91, you need to know who God is. And, and the real problem in our lives is not controlling the circumstances of life. It's knowing God who controls the circumstances of life. And you need to be careful to understand that if, you know, we have personal responsibilities. If I beat my head on a rock, I'm going to have a headache. I don't blame God for that. We need to know who he is. He's not a sugar daddy in the sky. He's somebody who loves us. When I go into Psalm 91 and I go down a little bit, I, it, what's interesting, I talked about staying in his shadow or staying close to him. And in verse 5, it says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Interesting. Verse 9 tells us why. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Listen to verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Interesting. God says, I am there, man. And when you go through the hardest moments of life, I'm there. It does not say you will not go through the hard moments of life. It says that you will go through them, but you will go through them with me. And I will make sure that you go through them and you're victorious on the other side. If you're my child, you're abiding in me, you're walking with me, I will make sure you're cared for. And that's the critical moment in life. For you or I or anybody to live this life and to think for a moment that we're not going to go through a very trying, troubling time period. That's incorrect. We will go through a trying time period. And we need to understand that. If we know God, we can go and we can, we can read and shout Psalm 91 for real from our hearts and be able to say, man, this is great. I, I do trust in God. All my other things that I trust in, here's my leading thought for people in a way. I don't want you to think refuge is escapism. That's not what it is. Right. Otherwise, you're going to go to alcohol, drugs, something else. I mean, it's not escapism. Refuge is, is knowing God and, and being able to face the dilemmas of the day and go through them, not avoid them, but to go through them and be victorious on the other side. If you think that refuge is escapism, uh, you're going to be vulnerable to all kinds of garbage. And I, I just want to encourage our listeners, you need to know God you do that by opening God's word and reading it and talking to those who know him. True, Dave. And your refuge is what you do in trouble as your default. If you don't run to God as your refuge, as your default, you have to ask yourself why. You know, what do you run to? Do you run to, you know, Netflix? Do you run to shopping? Do you run to eating, you know, to deal with things or to cope with things? And if, if running to God as your refuge isn't your default, the question is how to get there. And, and that's what we've been talking about. It's, it's really getting to know God, spending time with God. And that, that doesn't naturally happen. You need to be intentional about doing that. You need to be intentional about spending time with God, just like we're intentional about everything else in our life. You know, you go to work, that's intentionality. You wake up, that's intentionality. You brush your teeth, that's intentionality. Those are all simple things that we do, but it's the same correlation. If you want to get to know God, you have to be intentional about it. You have to get to know him. You have to spend time reading his word and being able to, to silence your life so you can listen to him. The more you do that, then when you face different situations and you, and you 
and your default then becomes in your refuge, God. You know, and I think that's what we're talking about here is living life from that refuge, knowing that God is our strong tower. God is our, our safe, sheltered area that we can pursue life with. And it's not, like you said, it's not an escapism thing. It's just realizing our identity that, you know, we can do this because God empowers us with his Holy Spirit to do this, to face the, the crazy things in life, because with God, everything is possible. We've heard that before, but there's so much truth behind that. And, and that's why I think it's so profound that we need to remind ourselves that God is our refuge, full stop. And we need to live life in light of that. Otherwise, we're, we're going to fail. We're going to miss the big picture. We're going to struggle with life. Um, that way, we're prepared when the hard things happen because nothing will change because we know that God is our refuge. It's true. And every single one of us needs to have a place of refuge in our life. But a lot of times, we put that pressure on other people. We try to find refuge in our friends, a place of comfortability, a place of familiarity, a place where we can be ourselves, quote unquote. Sometimes we look to our parents. I mean, that's a reality too. We, we try to find our identity in our parents. We try to find our, our safe place in our parents and maybe in our, our childhood home. And one day that's no longer there. One day those things will disappear. Friends will move to another place and then you have to call them or Skype them or do something to to connect with them over digital means. And so that face-to-face reality just isn't there. What do you do in those times? What do you do when your friends, what do you do when people that were once the closest thing you had and, and the most comfortable place you had are no longer there for you? Where do you run to? Where do you go? You know, David wrote so many times in the Psalms of how God is my refuge. And one thing about David was at many of the points where he's writing these Psalms, he was being chased by the most powerful guy of his day, Saul. He was trying to kill him because David had been appointed to become the next king. And Saul did not like that one bit. And so he was being chased. He was being pursued. If you've ever been in a place where you've had authority figures or people that were in power that were corrupt, that were coming after you, you, you probably wouldn't be in a place of calm, in a place of peace. And yet so many times in Psalms, and even in Psalm 91, where it talks about making, making the Lord your refuge, this is a place where it's not just an escape, but it's a place of power. It's finding your identity and who you are made to be and understanding exactly who God is intending you to be. Another thing that you find when you live life from the refuge is you find that there is significance for the pursuit And for some reason, as I've been growing up, this has been more real to me, is that when I spend time intentionally in getting to know God, I find that there is significance for the pursuit. What I'm chasing after, I find the right perspective in that. And then I'm able to make the right preparations. If we're not calm, if we don't take time to hear and be, you know, in the silence part of it, it's, it can really become overwhelming. There is significance in the pursuit. And, and I find that there's something that every single one of us needs to find significance and meaning in there. We find supply in there. And we've got some extra stuff that we've thrown into our show notes tonight. We're out of time on the show. That is all for us here on HopeNet Radio. You can find the show notes and download these and past episodes for free by subscribing to our podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Our live Twitter chat to tweet back is going 24-7 at HopeNet360.com or by using the hashtag HNRTB. And you can follow HopeNet360 on most social platforms. Check out HopeNet360.com slash connect. From all of us here on HopeNet Radio, make each conversation count this week. You could save a life. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Later. 